2: Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is a little bit different. We're going to bring you the highlights from our Friday night hot mic broadcast. We talked a lot about Brent Seabrook uh, as the game was going on. We also welcomed in the Sun-Times Cubs beat reporter Russ Dorsey, who's a huge Hawks fan and hockey fan, so you'll hear from him as well. Before we get started, I want to tell you how to get in touch, madhousepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at madhousepod, Instagram madhouse underscore pod, we're on Facebook, Madhouse Hockey, CHI, and we've got our merchandise shop, MadhousePodMerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Thread Sports. For all your team needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. That's MadhousePodMerch.com. And for all things Madhouse Podcast, make sure you visit MadhousePod.com. Without further ado, here are the highlights from our Friday night hot mic broadcast.
0: How's everybody uh, doing tonight? I hope you guys are all doing well. Welcome into our, uh, are we going to call this our monthly uh, hot mic broadcast? Are we going to try to do a second one in uh, March? I don't think we did one in February, did we?
2: I don't think we did. I think monthly is a good good bar to set. And if we surprise people with some extra ones, then by all means, we can do more. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. It's been kind of a weird day in a lot of ways. Brent Seabrook retires. Uh, I put my dog down. It's been kind of a wild day. Uh, so thanks for joining us. If you are uh, new to Hot Mike, thanks for joining us for the first time. If you're an old veteran, uh, thank you for joining us as well. I know we're going to see a lot of these uh, familiar faces, but hopefully some new folks join in as well. If you would like to chip in uh, in our fundraiser we're doing tonight for South Suburban Humane Society in memory of my dog, Ray, who passed away today, feel free to hit up my Venmo at Zawoski Book or just go to their website. Southsuburbanhumane.org/donate. Southsuburbanhumane.org/donate is the website. So we're uh, just hoping to raise some funds for that great cause. Uh, that's where we adopted Ray from, and uh, they save a lot of dogs in the southwest suburbs. And uh, look, we had a short time with her, but we are very blessed that she chose us. And uh, that's exactly what it was, man. So yeah tough day. So hopefully we can raise some money. But let's get to the hockey. Um, you know, something that's kind of been hovering over this entire season has been the Brent Seabrook situation and air quotes, right? (laughs) Like, I don't know, is he coming back? Is he close? Is he not? There was a rumor, well, maybe about a month ago that he was a month away or a week away from playing. And then all of a sudden things sort of fell off from there. Um, and now we've got Closure. Brent Seabrook is calling it a career, not officially retiring because that would kill the Blackhawks cap wise. But he'll spend the rest of his career on long-term injured reserve. Whether or not the Hawks can do with Brent Seabrook, what they did with Marion Hosa remains to be seen. Uh, but for you know, for now, he's on the roster. They're gonna long-term injured reserve him, and they've got some cap space to play with now because it wasn't just Seabrook today, it was also Andrew Shaw and Zach Smith who went on LTIR. So it's a lot of money off the books. Uh Wonder if the Hawks will do anything, but I doubt it. I think staying the course this season with the guys they have, see what they've got is probably the best course of action and evaluate things at a deadline. If you're still in it, maybe keep Soderbergh. If not, maybe move out guys like that and see what you can get. So who knows?
0: See you on the rest of the year. Lafert. first. Can I, can I be honest, the first thought I had today when I saw that Shaw and Smith were both put on LTIR, aside obviously from being concerned about Shaw's health, which I know we've discussed a lot on the podcast, besides that, the first thought I had... Would they acquire a bad contract in order to get prospects or draft picks from another team who's needing to clear up cap space to make some moves at the deadline to potentially compete for a Stanley Cup?
2: I I really don't know. Uh, The deadline thing is going to be really interesting to me this year because I think they're very pleased with how the season has gone. They are definitely in playoff contention as of right now. Again, the the next little bit of schedule is going to be make or break for them. Um, I still say that regardless of where they are, anyone that's unrestricted, an unrestricted veteran should be considered to be traded. Now, if you're going to get a late pick for Carl Soderberg, fine. Maybe keep him around. See what happens in the playoffs. If you are in playoff contention, try to get in because look, we saw the benefit playoff hockey had for Kirby Dock last year. And a lot of these young guys got a chance to play. It was beneficial for them. And yeah, you lost some draft positioning a little bit, but. Uh, you still got a player you liked in Lucas Reichel. It's a guy the Hawks liked a lot,
0: and maybe would have taken him even earlier. Who, oh, by the way, is lighting it up in Germany right now. Scott Powers has been all over that, and he, uh, he might be here next year, guys. Now,
2: could you imagine, man? Just uh, all these young players like right on the horizon, and yeah, he's looked really, really good. Kind of a bummed out we didn't get to see him in the World Junior Championships, but everything that's been reported about Reichel lately has been really, really good. So I don't know. I think the deadline's going to be something that's really interesting. It's always my favorite time of year <laughs> is, is trade deadline and free agency. <laughs> Those are my favorite days, but uh, it's going to be really, not just for the Hawks. It's going to be for everybody seeing how teams are navigating in the COVID world with the new sort of stagnant salary cap, how are team's going to act. And the other thing is, are guys going to have to, like, if they're traded, are they going to have to wait two weeks to play?
0: I guess it depends on where they're going. If they're going up to Canada, they they may very well have to do that. That's yeah. kind of what happened to uh, Patrick Line when he came across the border uh, and happened to uh, Dubois when he went north. They had to uh, wait at least a week, I think it was. I think it was. at le-
2: Yeah, it was, it was at least a week. Right, it might have been longer. It might have been two weeks. All right, let's get to Brent Seabrook. I'm going to throw a poll up there. I'm predicting the results of this poll will be 100% yes, should <laughs> should number seven be retired. I, I'm sure there will be some no votes because there's always contrarians in here, but I think this will be a wildly uneven poll in terms of uh, retiring number seven for Brent Sears and Chris Jones. There's been
0: Jonah. a fairly uh, compelling amount of people who have said they should just adopt a ring of honor instead, because you're going to start retiring a lot of numbers. If you're not careful, obviously 19 and 88 are going up into the rafters. Number two is going to go up there. But then beyond that, people are saying Brent Seabrook, number seven, Patrick Sharp, number 10, Corey Crawford, number 50, Marion Hose 81. Where do you draw the line at? To me, you draw the line after Seabrook. I am in favor of doing, I originally wanted them to retire number 50 for Crawford, but I can see the argument about uh, Jersey retirement has to be made like more exclusive. You don't want to make it to where the Arizona coyotes who have Bobby Hull's number retired, even though he played for the <laughs> Jets have up have in one. Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, I think the only coyote who actually has their number retired is Shane Doan, which is fine. I just wanted to give him a little bit of grief about the uh, Bobby Hull thing, but I think that Seabrook, to me, if Jonathan Taves was the captain and kind of the quiet force in the locker room, Brent Seabrook was the vocal leader. He was the one who stirred the drink. He's the one that gave them the energy. And and to me, more importantly than all of that, he was there from the down days to the salad days. He was there as yeah. they went from also rands to three-time Stanley Cup champions. And that, to me, cannot be overstated. The guy who played the third most games in Blackhawks history, I think number seven belongs up in the rafters of the UC.
2: Yeah, I got a question. Why isn't Hosa a lock? For me, he I want to be clear. If I was deciding, he would be. Hosa would be a lock. But I think the way the Hawks do it, everybody that's retired on that wall was drafted by the Blackhawks and played almost exclusively for the Blackhawks. There's some guys that went to other teams, but that seems to be a trend, right? And that could explain why Chris Chelios hasn't been retired yet. Um, You know, I just think when you look at three Stanley Cups for these guys, I still think that Crawford should be up there just because as you look throughout the history of the team, that his stats are up there with the greats and Jim's Mm -hmm. right. Esposito is not a draft pick. My bad. That's okay. Uh, But still, I think that they are hesitant to retire too many numbers The Ring of Honor makes perfect sense. I think there's a lot of guys. Patrick Sharp would be on that. Jeremy Roenick would be on that. I wouldn't hate if Roenick went up in the rafters myself, but I know that ended kind of poorly. Steve Larmer should absolutely be up there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jim says Crawford, but not Belfort. Yes, Crawford won two Stanley Cups. He's better in every statistical category than Belfort, and he played his entire career here. I mean, I don't, you know, maybe Belfort was better, but he didn't accomplish as much here. Like the real old haircut. Things.
0: Dave also bringing up an interesting one, Nick Jalmerson, whether he should have his number four retired by the Blackhawks. I think
2: I love Nick Jalmerson. I really do. I just, you it's got to stop somewhere. Right. And I don't know.
0: I fell into a burning ring of honor.
2: He's got three. Yeah. It's a ring. I mean, look, retire everybody for all I care, but I just, I just know the way they think the way the Hawks think. And I think they're going to probably limit it.
0: Remember only, only one non hall of famer up there. So Magnuson. Yep.
2: Yeah. Well, that's uh, because of his, his ties with the organization yep. were uh, could not be overstated. Cause he I was, actually,
0: I got asked, is Brent Seabrook going to make the hall of fame?
2: I don't think so. We were talking about either. this on the, by the way, the game's underway um, <laughs> and the Hawks are not losing or winning. Hey. um we talked about this on the Bernstein and Rahimi show today. They did the similarity scores on hockey reference. Do you know who the most statistically similar player to Brent Seabrook is in the history of the game?
0: Uh, no, no, I do not.
2: <laughs> Brian Campbell,
0: wow, is that crazy? Not the name I would have assumed. Was I know <laughs>
2: it's a it's such a crazy thing to uh to say and think, but I, I know they were totally different kind of players, but when you I guess whatever metrics they use on hockey reference to measure value, Seabrook and Campbell were <laughs> neck and neck.
0: Charlie, the bacon guy. I think the Hawks should retire seven for Seabrook, not Chilios. His chili wasn't even that great. A chili was trash. It was bad, <laughs> bad chili. Skyline Chili is the worst. Don't at me. Oh, that there's
2: no doubt about that.
0: No doubt. I don't understand why people from Ohio think it's so great. Like it's basically on the uh, Mount Rushmore of awful food items from cities right there with St. Louis style pizza.
2: Oh, ketchup crackers with yep. cheese. Yeah, whatever, whatever people like, they like, it's just uh nah, you
0: know, you know what? You're right. I, I told myself I was going to kind of let people like what they liked. I shouldn't take gratuitous pot shots, but I guess St. Louis can be accepted from that. Maybe.
2: Oh yeah, Screw St. Louis and everything about it.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> Seabrook did mention that he talked to uh Jonathan Tabes about his decision. I also I, I kind of enjoyed that he uh brought up telling Patrick Kane and he emphasized how emotional that was. It kind of shows the close connection a lot of these guys do have.
2: Well, it's you know, if you have not heard it, uh check out the podcast of Bernstein and Rahimi. Dave Bowen was on the ten o'clock hour today. Just the the reverence. That Boland refers to Seabrook with and really that whole thing, those guys were it was funny, those those dynasty teams had a lot of different personalities, but they just seemed to mesh perfectly. Mm-hmm. And look, maybe we overblow that because they just had a bunch of guys that were really freaking good at hockey, and that's all it was. But it just seemed like even the guys that were sort of different personality-wise still got along, still had a huge amount of respect for each other. You never heard in those, you know, seven years of dominance. About any sort of like teammates not getting along, there were rumors that went were untrue about Sharp and Keith, um, but that was really it, and that was towards the end, and and that all got sort of cleared up there. So, um, it's just it's interesting to see a team with that many stars get along and respect each other for as long as they have. It's just uh, when if you didn't hear the press conference, make sure you find it. Him talking about the condition of his body, yeah. And how he said he felt great leading into the playoffs last year, but still knew he was kind of like not quite, quite ready. And then said the day before Christmas, he woke up and he couldn't walk. Yeah. Um, And hips, hip replacements in his future. And uh, man, that's a dude who gave everything he had to the city. And it's, I think you and I have done a good job of reminding people of this over the last few years, when the, the subject of Seabrook was a sore one because of the contract. I think that name made people roll their eyes and cringe. But look, that's a dude who, I mean, if you've got a team full of Seabrooks, you've got a, you've got a champion because that guy, I don't think they win one without him. I really no, don't. I, I don't think either. We, we have forgotten how good and how important he was to this team. And Bowen said it today on the score that while Taves was the lead by example, captain, go out there and win every battle, win every face off, play as hard as he could. Seabrook was that guy, you know, in the locker room being vocal helping sort of coach guys along um sort of the strategist and just sort of the moral the uh what's the word i'm looking for emotional leader yeah of the team and and he was and it's true and i think part of that and his early relationship with jeremy collatin was a little bit of why that was soured at the beginning because it was a little bit shaky between those two and uh you know seabrook is is a hugely valued guy in that room it's funny I was thinking about this today the people immediately started feeling better about Seabrook when we found out that he was not a threat to take a young guy's spot on the <laughs> roster like as soon as he's like I'm not going to play anymore like I love Brent Seabrook man what a what a legend what a legend Brent Seabrook is, because a lot of people are like, get
0: this guy off the f <laughs> uh, Mark Lazarus today pointed out that the uh, comment section on the Seabrook articles was way kinder than it had been previously. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine so. I would um, imagine so. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff.
2: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. Thanks for tuning in to our Best of Hot Mic podcast. We'll have another full-length uh, Madhouse podcast after Sunday's game against the Lightning, but we want to bring back some of the Brent Seabrook conversation we had last night and some other stuff, including our interview with Cubs beat reporter. That's right. Russ Dorsey from the Times, huge hockey fan. And he just dropped right in on our hot mic. We invited him, but we didn't know when he was going to show up or if he was going to show up. Then he did. It was a lot of fun. Give
1: it a listen.
0: Oh, we got another
1: hey, guest. Jay hey,
0: hey. What's up, Russ? How's it going,
2: hey, man.
1: man? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing?
2: Russ, thank you for joining us, man. No, to have I, you.
1: I, I, it is a an honor and a privilege to be on with you guys. Um, yeah. Love the pod. Love both of you guys and what you do. So the fact that you guys even want to be on is, oh, man, I can't even describe it. Well, I mean, well, we, we are this. the
0: presidents of the Brandon Hagel fan club. We kind of have to have you on. Right.
1: It's <laughs> true. I, I will. I'll take credit for that. Yeah.
0: Well, he
2: hasn't scored yet, so I
1: don't know. Not what yet, but. He had a very good chance, which is honestly that's that's what he is. He's like the chance mm-hmm. machine. <laughs> now we chance. gotta get we gotta get him to from getting chances to converting on chances, but it's slow, slow baby That's all right. He'll get
2: there. For those of you that don't know Russ Dorsey, what's wrong with you? He is the Cubs beat reporter for the Chicago Sun Times and uh the A1 Brandon Hagel fan in Chicago. So awesome. Matt. You're you're in Arizona, right?
1: I am I'm in my uh residence and hotel room in Tempe, Arizona. Yeah, oh,
0: Not to brag. Not, wow. Not at
1: all. <laughs> Not at all. Are you going to be out there for all of spring training? Or are you uh, coming back? No, I'm, I'm going to be out here for the full the full shot. So I'm right. kind of trying to pace myself while I'm out I'm, here.
0: I'm only uh, asking because uh, next weekend I'm popping out for a few days. So, ah, oh. yeah, I'm a I I eventually wised up. I was like, I need to uh, get out to Arizona for a few days.
1: Yeah, just for one or two. You know, it's warm and, and mm-hmm. sunny. And there's no like weird Chicago, you know, <laughs> fooling you into thinking it's gonna be warm and then it's not. No, so. no fake spring, oh, definitely. I was uh, gonna,
0: I was gonna invite you to uh, Dutch Brothers Coffee, which I have never had. I was gonna <laughs> see if you wanted to like maybe do a socially distanced thing with my dad and I, and you could have a uh, milkshake or something.
1: That <laughs> you know, I'm, I think I'm, uh, I'm done putting pictures of coffee on, on my Twitter. Because then everybody tells me that I'm getting milkshakes. When in fact, <laughs> they are iced coffees. But you know what? That's fine. It's the, fine. The,
0: they the other beat reporters were very rude to Russ the other day. I think it was the like <laughs> Jordan Bastion and uh, I think Gordon Wittenmeyer got you too. Yeah, uh, making fun of his coffee selection.
1: Wait, can you guys swear on here? Yeah, yeah. go for it, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was, it was, it was yesterday I, I called it on Russ Day. So <laughs> everybody from those guys to Twitter, it was it was free for all wow. on Rust Day. Books got on get it, got in on that. Wow. So you know, it's a new day. <laughs> Rust day was yesterday. <laughs> uh, now I'm just gonna, you know, keep my uh love for iced coffees off Twitter.
0: The Blackhawks are gonna have a power play. Should Brandon Hagel be on the power play,
1: yes or no? Uh, yeah, I think at least getting him on, on that second unit, I think that would be good. There's a guy who creates chances. It's a guy who likes to put the puck on net, even if it's not him putting it in the net. I think that would be mm-hmm. great get him on, on that second unit. I, no, I've I wanted that for a while now. Like, if they're going to put him on the second line to help create chances, might as well.
0: He he could have hosted the podcast yesterday, Jay. That's exactly what I said.
2: I just think... What you've lost, to Andrew Shaw, is exactly what he brings, and I don't need to see Yanmark out there. I don't need to see. You know what I mean? It's look, the power play is working for the most part, so I know you don't want to mess with it too much. But I hope just at some point he gets the opportunity. That's all I'm saying. I just want to see what he can do. That's I, I'm just you know, there's he has shown that he's capable of playing with the best players on the team, and yeah, while he hasn't scored with any consistency yet, um, that's usually the last thing to come, and
0: every he's doing everything else right which makes me think on a power play, he would be a very effective tool. I'm all about that puck retrieval, man. And he's so good at that. He's always able to go into the corners and win those battles. That's something you really do need on the power play. And I I saw a listener in the uh, chat brought up what a good four checker he is. That's also really important. If the lightning are trying to break out of the zone, go get the puck from them and don't let them clear it all the way down the ice. That's, that's a valuable asset to have on the power play.
2: Yeah, he's got a nose for the puck too, uh, illustrated by Carpenter's uh, shorthanded goal the other night. He just knows where to be. He knows where the puck is going to go. He's got that's the sort of thing you can't really coach that that hockey instinct, that hockey IQ, and he's got that. And, and those sort of things pay dividends on the power play too. So, look, I'm not like I said yesterday. I'm not. It's a little bit tongue in cheek that we want that to happen, but there's no part of me that feels like it's far fetched if they tried it. Mm-hmm. That, for it, sure. it's, yeah. He, there's nothing he is. There's nothing about his game that indicates he's not capable of that. Like, can so, so you
1: see this their top what six seven forwards right now? Yeah, he's playing like that. If that's the case, like, hey, go out there for a shift, let's see if you create a chance. Yep.
0: What Russ, what what else besides Brandon Hagel, obviously? You do uh, check out the Blackhawks. What else to you this season has kind of stood out to you as they've kind of gotten off to this uh, surprising start and obviously are kind of taking the NHL by storm a little bit? Everybody kind of assumed they'd be second worst in their division, and they really haven't been. What's kind of struck you about the team so
1: far? Uh, A couple of things. Obviously, you can't talk about the Hawks without talking about Kevin Lankanen and -hmm. the job that he's done in net is pretty remarkable. Like, this is a guy that we – when the season started, we are like, all right, they're going to have this revolving door behind in the net, and and let's see what happens. Like, if you you have a revolving door of goaltenders, that means you're probably going to be a bad team. So that's why we were all like, ah, well, Hawks are going to be in that top five, you know, in the draft. And he took the league by storm. He's played so well, and to have a young – goaltender play as well as he had is is i think that's great and i think that's even if it's even if he's played over his head which he probably has it'll probably revert back you know here in the second half of the season or or even next season the fact that you have somebody that you can say okay this will be our goaltender going forward and you can build around that guy i think that's they they went into the season not knowing what they had there yeah and i think to go into next season knowing what you have in goal i think that's huge that's a win in and of itself if they weren't as good as they they've been if the power play wasn't as good if you didn't have all these rookies that are contributing you no, know, in the national hockey league the fact that you found a goaltender would be probably the biggest win of the season but so many other things have gone right for them like it's almost second and third on the list of great things that have happened so i think that's the number one thing i think the the fact that they've had so many rookies contribute uh, and and not look like rookies. Sure. At times you have some things, especially with young defensemen, you're going to have some uh, situations where, you know, they're going to make you scratch your head and you're going to throw your remote control at the TV. But the fact that they've, you know, managed to, to shore up what was a a big question mark, maybe the biggest question mark behind who was going to be a net for them. I think that's great. And I, I think Jeremy Carlton, the job he's done, I don't know if anybody in the city believes in him. And that's no offense to Jeremy. It's just, mm-hmm. When you have to fill the shoes of a Hall of Fame head coach and then be that young guy that nobody believes in, then you have to get buy-in from the vets who love that coach. And you have to get buy-in from the front office who gave you the job, but like they still aren't sure who you are and what you can do. And you get those veterans to buy in. You get the young guys to buy in. I think that's... You know, that's a really big win for, for Jeremy. And I'm happy for him that not only are they having success, but you have guys like Kane are are like are really behind this youth movement and what mm-hmm. they're trying to do. And I think the thing that I've watched it's not just oh, we're gonna put these young guys in and we want them to play. It's like there's a purpose to everything. Like the, the system that he put in is working. You know, if he put this system in and it didn't work. All that other stuff goes out the window, but the fact that he put it in—it took. There were some growing pains along the way as guys slowly started to buy in. You start bringing some of these younger guys in. Obviously, the 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 Taves mystery injury and Kirby Doc being hurt—that that those things suck. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's worked this well without those guys, now you can put Kirby Doc back in this thing next year. Yeah, hopefully Jonathan Taves comes back. Right next year, like if he's healthy enough to do so, and you're looking at a team that is now could could make some noise in Stanley Cup playoffs, and all those you know, young
0: guys are taking that step forward too, like for into sure. the second year, like you saw with Doc in the bubble, and you've seen with other guys this season. All it takes that little bit of experience, and that can really uh, carry you a long way. For sure, it's funny
2: we ran a poll uh, on this in our hot mic here. Uh, Jer- the question is. Jeremy Calton, which isn't a question, it's a statement. <laughs> I approve. I do not approve. 85% of the people in this hot mic tonight approve of the job he's done. I, I thought it was going to be over 50%. I'm shocked it's that high. People have really sort of turned a corner on him. And you said it the fact that you've got not just veteran players buying in, but guys like Kane and Debrinkit saying so publicly, unprovoked we have bought into this system that that's hugely meaningful because just two years ago, you had Duncan Keith talking to podcasts saying, I don't really like this. And you know, Brent Seabrook was unhappy and even Taves to a lesser extent was unhappy and they were letting it be known. So to have this vocal public support of what Cowan's doing is huge. And look, all that's meaningless if the results aren't there uh, compared to what was expected this year for the Hawks. So results have really been there and look best game of the year last year. Last night against Tampa, they lose, sure. Right now they're tied. Not playing as strong as of a game, but they were down 2-0, and they're battling back. They're going to start the third period with the power play. Uh, And who knows, man? Like, it's just, I don't know. I never thought that this team would become, would get to the point they are right now this season at all. And you mentioned, like, you find Lincoln, and you've got these rookies. If one of those things had happened this year, You'd call that a win, yep. Right. and now you've got not only have you established Lincoln, and you've established a pretty solid backup in Subban, uh, and you've got the, all these rookies we've been talking about, and then also Alex Dobrynkin is taking that next step in his career that maybe people thought was coming last year. It's a year delayed. It's this year. He's a complete player who's on a 50-goal pace. I Look, I don't know how anyone can be anything but thrilled with what the Hawks have done this year so far.
1: Yeah, I think especially the DeBrinket thing is, and I'm glad you said that, Jay. It's like, I think it was a year and a half ago when when Kane got the A on the sweater and it like randomly took his game to, you thought, <laughs> all right, this guy won an MVP. Like, he didn't have another gear and got the A on the sweater and he took it to another level. And I think when DeBrinket got that, it kind of gave him a little extra juice. And, you know, everybody, you guys know, like everybody doesn't score 40 goals. Like, When you score 40 goals, you are an elite talent Mm -hmm. in the National Hockey League. So this is not some bum. This is a guy who (laughs) knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. You know, you go through that sophomore slump, that third-year slump, and and people figure out how to defend you, especially on a line with a a guy who's who's way more talented, even though that – for a guy who scored 40 <laughs> yeah. Like the teams, yeah, does, it's what they have in uh Edmonton with Leon Dry Saddle and, and Connor McDavid. Like McDavid is here, but Leon on any other team, right? Come on, man! <laughs> like, that's so the f- guys clicking on the same line, and they even though teams probably think they know how to defend them they're still able to find open ice and still able to make plays. The
0: the only Um, thing you need to know about the Edmonton Oilers and those two guys, the Blackhawks beat them in the playing round last year. Don't forget it. (laughs) Never forget.
2: Put a banner up for that too, damn it.
0: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I did want to ask you, Russ, growing up, who was was your favorite hockey player or who were your favorite hockey players? It's always fascinating to me to hear how people kind of got into hockey.
1: I think you guys will like this. Both of you guys are, like, deep hockey guys. So, and this is probably going to surprise you guys. So, my favorite player growing up was T. Mussolini because his name was T. Mussolini. <laughs> <laughs> but also, after after finding out, like, about him, like, my dad was like, no, this is, like, one of the greatest hockey players ever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's this 48-year-old winger for <laughs> The Anaheim Ducks <laughs> right now, but he scored like 60 goals his rookie year, and that dude was great. So, no, Timu Solani was like my favorite, one of my favorite players growing up, and uh, I guess, let's think. That might have been my favorite non-Blackhawk. Who's my favorite Blackhawks player ever? It's tough because I feel spoiled because my whole, well, when I was younger, like my younger years, the Hawks were like terrible, and they weren't on TV, and they weren't on radio. Back when, you know, Tomo Rutu was here and, and uh, James Wisniewski and all those guys. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> you
1: know what I'm saying? Like, that was like my young – so I'm lucky that by the time I was coherent and understood hockey and knew how the game was played, Kane and Taves were coming up. Like, I remember when the, – the day they drafted Taves and Kane, it was just like, the Hawks select Patrick Kane with a number one overall pick in the draft. And it's like, all right, cool. I don't know who this dude is. I don't know. What a, I don't know what a, a left wing is. I don't know what a cinnamon is yet, but learning the game and, and those guys, you know, we're real people. In my, in my age bracket are really lucky because we've gotten the golden era of black Hawks hockey, like to see three cups, Is unheard of. Like that's not real. Like I tell people all the time, like that's not real. So (laughs) expect
0: that. Well, it's like Um, Bulls fans growing up with Michael Jordan. Don't get used to that.
1: That's not how this thing works. So, like, even the Hawks being on this down, the what we thought was going to be a downturn. um, It's like, look, we've had, you know, we're we were we're a a, um, a shoulder away from maybe the Hawks winning. Three straight cups, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if what's that? Alec, uh, Martinez, Alec Martinez, yeah, uh, Martinez on, on the Kings. Like if that doesn't hit a shoulder, who knows? The the Hawks could have. They've already had one of the craziest runs hockey's ever seen, but that would have made it even. Like imagine three straight cups.
2: They would have killed the Rangers.
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh. Of course, yeah, because we the, the whole time, whole series, everybody was saying whoever wins this series is going to win the Stanley cup, yep, yep. you know, but that's why, that's why you got to play the games. Like you, you just never know.
0: This power play going very poorly for the Blackhawks. They've uh, been in their own zone for about 30 seconds and Carl Soderbergh just committed a penalty and ended the rest of it. So not the starts of the third period. The the needed.
1: Penalty right before I, I jumped on with you guys. So <laughs>
2: I got a question here on the, uh, from, for us, James, uh, favorite non Hawks.
0: Oh, now is growing this up. like current or just like growing up? What do you want to do, do? Uh,
2: let's do all time. And we can do current uh, all time. My favorites were Pavel Bure and uh, Doug Gilmore. Doug Gilmore eventually was a Hawk and eventually, a bad one. but uh Doug Gilmore on the Maple Leafs was one of my, I was also a huge Theo Fleury fan even though I wanted to kill him on several occasions in games against the Blackhawks mm-hmm. current favorite guys out of Chicago, man. it's a good question. Uh, really like, uh, Shay Theodore in Vegas. Yep. Love watching that know. dude play Seth Jones. I'm a huge fan of, um, Tavo.
1: Tavo.
0: Gotta
2: love
1: him. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big Leon dry guy. Like as you should dude, be, that dude is amazing.
2: Yeah. He's and good.
1: I feel, like, I feel like I was a fan of his, and here, here.
2: Oh, he's a hipster. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I before, before he scored fifty goals, because it was just like, dang, I, I know people are talking about McDavid, but this Leon of dude is, is really good too.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then
1: he scored fifty goals, and he's a top five player in, in the game. But no, nah, that dude's a stud. I, 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 I selfishly want him and McDavid to break up so he can go <laughs> do you know, his Yeah. I'll probably uh,
0: have to
2: at some point. Uh,
0: yeah, for money. Sure. Who knows? Uh, growing up, uh, ESPN was very formative to my uh, experiences as a, ho- as a hockey fan growing up. So I was a big fan of Dominic Kashuk when he was playing. I know he used to play for the Blackhawks, but I got like kind of into him while he was playing for the Sabers. Loved Dominic Kashuk, and then I also loved Peter Forsberg because I was uh, always following the Nordiques, and then obviously the Avalanche. So growing up, those were probably my two favorite players, and then currently. It's, it's really tough. Obviously, I love a lot of the uh, Hurricanes players. I'm a not-so-secret Carolina Hurricanes fan. I've got a Tabo jersey hanging up in my closet. I need to get a uh, Svechnikov jersey, so probably one of those guys I'm definitely uh, a huge fan of. And then I also I really do like Johnny Gaudreau. I'm a big fan of uh, this Calgary Flames colors and everything, and Gaudreau is always a blast to watch, so he's probably high on my list, too.
2: I should have mentioned Forsberg and uh, Sergey Fedorov was another favorite, even though I hated the Red Wings.
0: We all know you're a secret Red Wings fan, Jay. Every time we bring Len Casper on, you light up like a Christmas tree.
2: I just, I miss them being in the division. I miss that rivalry. I don't have the same, I hate the blues, but I don't have the same, the same level of hatred for the blues. Cause I don't have the same level of respect for the blues that I do for Detroit. It, it would be like, Ooh. so it, it, here it is. Detroit is green Bay. The Red Wings are the Packers where the blues are the vikings I, lo- I
0: loathe the minnesota vikings so i completely agree with this uh comparison
2: yeah that's so that's i i can't have the hate the respectful hatred of the blues like it's i did and hatred. do for the uh <laughs> for the wings
0: i was also a big mike madano fan i really liked him oh, as well not a fan. and paul correa doesn't get enough love either i will also point out Paul Correa, before he got destroyed by Scott Stevens, was incredible.
1: I got to tell you guys the, the, the actual Brandon Hagel story All right. about how that started. So, I think early in, in – when the season started, I'm just like, you know, should I put myself through sitting through Blackhawks hockey?
0: <laughs> and
1: I said, I kind of at least want to see what's there. So, I said, sure. All right. turn the game on, met home, watching. And those first, you know, obviously we all saw, like, those first yeah. couple games. Like, rough. oh, my God, this is life for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> but every time the fourth line would come out, I'm like, who is – hell is Hagel 38? Hagel dude. And I'm like, you know what? This dude can kind of play. And I didn't want to get on the bandwagon too fast because I'm like, those are the guys that usually get sent down to – Rockford or something, the guys you fall in love with. So I, I waited like a week and a half, two weeks. Turned the game back on. This dude in the corners, getting pucks, four-checking, getting the puck back, two on one breaks, three on two breaks. I'm just like, this dude is like this is not just your regular fourth line guy. Like, this is a guy with skill, a guy who's a two-way player. That's a guy who you look up and has a, a 12, 13 year career in the NHL.
2: The Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast is proudly sponsored by our friends at Fry the Coop. FryTheCoop.com. The best Nashville hot chicken you've ever had. And big news, Fry the Coop fans, the Tinley Park location opens on Tuesday. At long last, we get our our Tinley Park Fry the Coop location that is March 9th will be open on Harlem and Tinley Park so make sure you go to frythecoop.com place your order go pick it up that's where I will be you'll find me there definitely on Tuesday get those Chicken tenders, they're insane. They're amazing. If you like them hot, they got you covered. If you like them mild, they got you covered there. There's something for everybody at Fry the Coop. It's not just the tenders. They've got the chicken sandwich, the donut chicken sandwich, which is Nashville hot chicken between a glazed donut, chicken and waffles, which are just insane. The waffle batter has bacon in it. You will love it. Go to frythecoop.com, peruse the menu, place your order, and come find your happiness at Fry the Coop.
1: So I end up, I'm like, all right, I I like this Hagel, dude. Because normally, energy guys get this catch-all label. Oh, he has energy. He goes out there. He hits people. He yeah, grit and
2: sandpaper.
1: know, he's <laughs> done. But I like the fact that this guy was a two-way forward, created chances for himself and everybody else, you know, did not forget about the defensive end, and still was able to create offense. And I, you guys talk about the Andrew Shaw comp, which I think is, that's, I think that's great. One I think about is, and he's not this level of goal scorer yet, but like Troy Brower, right? Mm-hmm. Troy Brower was a guy that was gritty and and put in that work. Better goal scorer, you no, know, in his career, like you score almost 200 goals, like you, you're really talented, like you're gifted. Um, yeah. I, I think because Hegel creates so many chances, he'll have opportunities to score 18, 19, 20, up to 25 goals a season by creating chances off the forecheck, mm-hmm. you know, and, and deflections in front of the net and just the little things that he does. I think you, you know, you could, you're going to score 10 goals, just putting yourself in a position, you know, to be in front of the net with your stick on the ice yep. and the other 15, you know, creating two on one chances and, and three on twos. And if they put you on the power play, you'll have some more chances. So I, I think that's one of the reasons I, I think he could be a really great pickup for them. Um, mm-hmm. because he does so many different things well. Um, and, and I think I think that's you know, that's what you need. You need to find guys like that. You need to find guys like Andrew Shaw, and I know we related back to Hawk stuff, but like we need to find guys who you know can score 15-20 goals. Yeah, like everybody absolutely. Has to be like you have your superstars, you have your Alex Brinkett 40 goals scored. you have Kane still. He's probably gonna be one of those guys that's still good at 40 years old, be, just because he's like he does things that he has that nobody else in the world has. Yeah. Uh, See, when That's
2: that—that's the difference between great teams and the average teams. Is Everybody's got their, their share of star players. It's what do those middle guys do? If you've got 15 goal scores scattered throughout your lineup, as well as DeBrenkian and Kane, now you're talking, right? And that's right. what those Dynasty Hawks had. They had Kane and Taves and Hosa and Sharp, but they also had Andrew Ladd and Troy Brower you mentioned. And Brian Bickle, and they found those guys in the middle to add offense. So they had, we say this all the time. The reason those dynasty teams are so great was because their four lines were better than most teams, top three. And you bring and in guys play... like
0: Ben Smith on the bottom six ben and Eager. other dudes yeah. like Ben Eager. Exactly. Yeah. And I like the Troy Brower comp just because of the sheer desire and ability to win battles. Russ, obviously, uh, Hagel a little bit smaller than Brower, but what he makes up, what he lacks in size, he makes up for in speed. So I kinda, I do really like that comp.
2: From the fourth line farm that we talk about, we, the Ben Smith, where are Caros, our T-shirts, man. Tyler Mott.
0: You got to get on it.
2: We need someone to design them. I I have no design skills. I almost I'm, I almost I, passed out making canvas in can my Twitter account.
1: All the Hawks fourth liners from when I started watching hockey. Ben Smith, Ben Eager. Yeah. Yep. Tyler Mott. Tyler <laughs> Mott. They all
2: have like weird numbers.
1: Yep. <laughs> um, let's see.
2: Matthew Highmore is is exactly what we're talking about there, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Even he, though, is a little higher end than he's got a little more speed than a lot of those guys do. Yeah,
1: yeah. guys who are are supposed to be really good prospects, and they end up not being good. You mean like Victor Stahlberg? How dare you? Wait wait a minute. Are are they playing the Columbus Blue Jackets or no? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you know what?
0: Point taken, Russ. Jeremy Morin. We'll go with him instead. Jeremy Morin. Morin was supposed to be Marco Dano. Yep. The key...
2: he was a big part of that in Nisimov's side trade.
0: I, I do have to make a completely legitimate point here, boys. A lot of the credit for the success of the Blackhawks bottom six in those years does kind of have to go to Marcus Kruger. Sure. It really does.
2: Definitely. I mean, that was that's he's a good example of a guy who, if he's in another team,
0: he's probably second or third line center. Yep. And instead and he mean, was fourth line with the Blackhawks and an ace penalty killer.
2: And then when he got his chance with another team, he was towards the back end of his career. So it didn't, you know, had he been in his prime, who knows, but that's a guy who did everything right. And he was not flashy. Uh, It's funny. I wonder like what percentage of people that are Hawks fans that claim to be anyway, not that we're, we don't care, Whatever. we're not, we're not for this. But like, you know, if you ask a hundred Chicagoans who Marcus Kruger is how many would remember that dude, you know, and he was so integral to their championships Mm-hmm. Just t- taking that top line matchup all the time. So Taze could be free to create some offense. That's huge to have. That is huge. Yeah.
0: I didn't think we'd be talking about Ben Smith and Marcus Kruger tonight. So thanks Brandon, a lot, Russ. <laughs> Brandon Peary three times. Ah
1: uh,
0: no, he's Rockford. back in Rockford. Get it right. Rockford, oh,
1: I was a huge Michael Froelich guy.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Best gift in uh, Blackhawks history. Him skating past <laughs> the uh, Red Wings yes. bench after the penalty shot. call.
2: John, wow. Mad- Al- Al- Alex brings up John Madden, who was a really good player for a long time. Yeah, uh, man. John Madden was a huge part of that thing. And Kurt's calling me out for complaining about Kruger's extra million. Yeah, because that extra million, Sam Bowman gives everybody an extra million.
0: And and no trade clauses. Don't forget.
2: And no trade clauses. You can't give it to every. You can't give everybody the extra million.
0: Brandon Bolick. Oh yeah,
2: the The Q love that guy. Didn't he
0: have it like two goals in like the opening game of it was like the 2014 season or something like that? I give Brandon Bolick credit,
1: as opposed to most guys who were kind of like he wasn't full enforcer. No, but that was kind of what he was there for. Mm -hmm. He did have some skill. Like, I'll give him that.
0: I I think you just described uh, Ben Eager in a nutshell. Him and Burrish. Yes. 52, Brandon Bullock. What a great number. Pat Boyle posted a picture earlier today from one of uh, Brent Seabrook's bowling outings. And Adam Burrish featured very prominently in a very ugly bowling shirt. So, not a guy I've given a lot of thought to recently, but boom, I did today.
2: Boy, he faded (laughs) from the Hawks broadcast booth
0: isn't he? That's very odd. Yeah, it was. And just he was good at him. it.
2: I wonder if it's a. I wonder if that's a. uh You know, a, a budget sort of a thing because he was really talented. I thought he was really good at it. I don't know.
0: I don't. Know. Jack Skilly. Jack Skilly. Oh man, dude. there you
2: go. First round pick <laughs> that was supposed to be the next thing. We're not
0: going to start talking about busted first round picks in that era because no, then yeah. we have to bring up Cam Barker too.
1: How long did they tell us that Jack Skilly was going to be good? Dylan Olsen, you know Kyle Beach. I have to say.
0: Everybody
2: thought Jack Skilly was going to be good. It wasn't True. just the Hawks. Like everybody around the league was like that's a dude who's going to be a good NHL player and he just wasn't.
0: Oh my gosh, <laughs> Jack.
1: Uh, and I think, uh, I think I think
2: you could do this yeah. as every team though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think we wanted him to be good because his name was Jack Skilly and that's a hell of a name (laughs) yeah
2: the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Dr. Squatch Dr. Squatch is an all-natural handmade in the USA soap, hair care, cologne, beard oil just general wellness company you're going to want to check out DrSquatch.com at the top right corner of the page there You'll take that Squatch quiz. Once you're ready to check out, enter that promo code MADHOUSE20 and you'll save 20% on your order and help the podcast at the same time. What do we recommend? Well, that's very easy. My favorite is the Cool Fresh Aloe Soap. The Cold Brew Cleanse has become a favorite as well. The Pine Tower is the flagship soap for Dr. Squatch. But really, that Squatch quiz will tell you everything you need to know about joining us here at Squatch Nation. Get yourself some thick bricks at drsquatch.com and don't forget that promo Code twenty. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is made possible by our friends at Mariska's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Their family owned and operated since 1933. You've heard us talking about Mariska's since day one of the Madhouse Podcast, and with good reason, some of the best food you will ever have. Go visit our friends in Crest Hill. Try the world famous poor boy, the steaks, the chops, the seafood, the double baked potato, the mountain of onion rings. Everything you taste at Mariska's will have you come coming back again and again. Visit their website, marishkas.com, or their Facebook page, facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. Close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Go visit our friends at Marishkas in Crest Hill. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanks to Russ Dorsey for joining us on our Hot Mike broadcast. We'll be back with... uh, I don't know what you call it—a more traditional Madhouse podcast after Sunday's game against Tampa. So make sure you don't miss that. Uh, as always, make sure you support our sponsors: Doctor Squatch. Use that promo code Madhouse20. Fry the coop, Triple Threat Sports, and Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Just to give everybody an update on how things went for the broadcast, raised over four hundred dollars for South Suburban Humane Society. So thank you if you are one of the people that chipped in. If you'd like to uh, still chip in, I'm not going to do it for a couple weeks because I got a thing up on my Facebook there. Uh, feel free, southsuburbanhumane.org slash donate. You can Venmo me at Zawaski book or my PayPal, jzawoski at gmail.com. Every penny is going to South Suburban Humane Society. We're at well over $400 now. I'd like to get that up to five or 600 Uh, by the end of the week or the uh, a couple weeks from now so if you can help out feel free even a couple bucks helps but in the meantime we'll talk to you after hawks lightning on sunday this has been the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
1: the madhouse chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by triple threat sports mariska's and crest hill dr squatch and by fry the coop